welcome to AIJCast, a podcast featuring conversations and performances at the intersection of art, inspiration, and justice. I'm your host, Marthane Sanders. On this episode, we're revisiting our 2018 conversation with Sho Baraka. Sho is an author and a hip-hop artist, and earlier this year saw the publishing of his book, He Saw That It Was Good, and he just released a new single, After the Funeral. Back in 2018, Sho and I sat down in his home in Atlanta. Sho Baraka, welcome to AIJCast. Thank you for having me. I'm interested in, for lack of a better word, your your faith journey and your musical journey. They're two journeys that have kind of come together. Mm-hmm. I'm not particularly fond of the word journey, but there it is. <laughs> uh, but I'm curious if you would be willing to talk about maybe how how those evolved and then mm-hmm. how they, they found themselves emerging. Well, I love music. Growing up, I have two older brothers who um three years older than me and six years older than me. And so they've always kind of influenced my musical palette. Um, so growing up, if they were listening to, I guess, Run DMC as a child, I mean, I was listening to it. They were listening to X-Clan. I was listening to it. Michael Jackson, whatever. It's just our parents uh, listen to a lot of soul music. So that kind of also influenced our, our, our musical... Um, Kind of plethora, but uh, <clears throat> didn't, I can't say that I necessarily grew up in a in a very religious home. But we definitely, you know, had a culture of Christianity, uh, a culture of religion, where we had a family church that we would attend right. every now and then. Even when we moved an hour away, we would drive to that church. Um, knew the pastor; uh, he was, you know, great guy. So. Uh, but when I got into high school, uh, my parents had been divorced by then and my father remarried. He had become a Christian and, and what I mean by that, he had become someone who like would truly believed in the practices of the faith, the disciplines, the formations of it and whatnot. And, uh, I, w- I noticed changes in his life. Uh, he played in the NFL and. Um, had a lot of success to some degree, also had a lot of lows and I got to see his transformation and, um, it was really encouraging. And so that kind of, that kind of impressed on me a little bit when I, my last year in high school, at the same time, my, one of my older brothers became a Christian as well. And he mm. would share with me and talk to me a lot. And my parents made me stay with him <laughs> for the summer before I went to college. <laughs> I hated that. <laughs> Cause I was just, I had all these ideas of what I was going to do before I went to college. Like what? Uh, like have all the sex in the world <laughs> and smoke all the weed and do, have all the fun. All those, all those critical decisions that yeah, you, you, you make know, when those, you're 17, 18. Those are very yeah. important things that right. you feel like if I don't do this, I, I will never, you know, the transition <laughs> into manhood will never be complete. That's right. Yeah. And so, um, so I, <laughs> surprised to say, I, didn't do all those things. <laughs> so um, I spent the summer with him and he and he began to impress on me. So when I went to college, I don't know, it was just weird. I felt this need to, to be in part of a Bible study. Mm-hmm. And so I started attending this Bible study. Um, now, uh, while I'm in high school going into college, I'm a part of this group, this rap group. Um, we were trying to make it. We had some, you know, demos that were being shopped. We met with labels and I grew up in California. So we, we were really connected to like some pretty important labels, big labels. And we had some promises that kind of fell through, Mm. but I was one of the only individuals in the, um, 
in the group who went to college. Okay. Because uh, my father was like, you're not about to sit here and chase these this music dream. Yeah. And so uh, at the same time as I'm having this Christian experience, as I'm, you know, finding out who the true, what the, the, who, who the true God and Jesus is, um, I'm starting to wrestle with what, what is music, how does music play in this transformation? Yeah. And uh, I, I actually gave up rapping because I just didn't see there was, I, I believed in this idea that there was no place for hip hop in the Christian life. Right. Uh, but coincidentally, um, my, oh, one of my, my brother gave me a CD uh, called the, uh, by a group called Cross Movement. And that kind of really started to shape uh, what I saw the utility of hip hop as as a Christian. As I was be as I was changing, as the Lord was kind of like changing and, and refining my heart, I began to see like, all right, well, maybe what I can do is start rapping about the things I now see. Yeah. On, on, on the college campus because as you know, like college campuses, you have all these events, you have showcases, and so uh, I would go from this <laughs> rapping about you know the things that I told you I was trying to accomplish before I went to college <laughs> to now rapping about things that were you know more uh spiritual and socially conscious and people actually on my university kind of took notice and was like man it was kind of different <laughs> mm. and so uh, eventually uh I just kind of I didn't I wasn't seeking to be any kind of uh Christian artists. It was just something that I was doing because I had gotten part of a, a group of individuals who were uh, a part of this Bible study who were serious about letting their faith be known and knowing God. And this was just a way that I can use my gift in order to, I thought, you know, bring glory to, to God or whatnot. And so eventually I actually transferred to a school in Texas where my brother was living. Um, and uh, that's where I began to meet other artists who Christians who are artists as well um, people like uh, some of you guys may have heard these names like Lecrae Tadashi and Trip Lee and we started a, a group called 116 that was kind of like my introduction into the actual Christian music scene and market right well, and there's always this piece where Christians always resist a, a new style of music for a while before they Absolutely. begin to adapt to it. I mean, you yeah. think of, um, you know, Thomas Dorsey and right. introducing blues into, right. into, uh, into sacred music. And then, so rap is part of that. But before that, it was Kurt Franklin and Rance yeah. Allen. And then you trans, then it goes into like the hip hop. And so, yeah, you know, it, jazz, the Dorsey's, mm -hmm. the, you know, the Rance Allen's, the, you know, the, the, the hip hop. And even to this day, it's still, I mean, it's, it's a lot more accepted today, but I mean, it's still a lot of contention with hip hop. Oh, in, sure. In the church. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I'm interested in that because I've also seen, you know, as I look back over your, your albums from 07 Turn My Life Up to uh, the narrative and the the remixes of the narrative, you've got, there. there's a trajectory in that style also. I think there's a change, not just in terms of, you know, different styles and, and between crunk and trap <laughs> and all that, but also just lyrically um, oh, yeah. is interesting yeah. to me. So I'm interested in, as you've, kind of evolved in your own approach how do you see that transition taking place i think it's just maturity i, I mean honestly i just feel like it, as any artist and i don't no matter what belief system you fall into i think as an artist you the, you should be growing you should be learning you should be yeah. getting better um i feel on two levels one 
are in, are in two lanes better yet. I'm growing as my in my understanding of the art in general. Sure. Um, and so therefore, even if you listen to my first album to now, sonically, there's a, a maturation, yeah. I would like to think. Yeah. And uh, a greater appreciation of music. You know, my first album was pretty much synthetic. Everything was... Lots of beats. Yeah. yeah. Just, it was, it was just beat making. Yeah. Kind of a straight praise album. Absolutely. Yeah. It's definitely extremely didactic in a sense that it's... It could be like a Bible study on record. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Before we couldn't sing that music of life. Uh-uh. Now all we play is that music of Christ. Okay. Called and redeemed. Get your hands up. Love God, love your brother. He commands us. We live by a different beat. Check the new sound. We walk in the spirit. It's like a ghost town. We exalt the holy God who uses earth as a throne. And if his throne is a chair, then his chair is my own. Lions and Liars gets a little more confessional and right. talking on, on both sides of, yeah. of what it's like to be a person of faith. That faith isn't always seeing your way clear. It's full of doubt. And Absolutely. there's some really great confessional tracks yep. on there. Yep. Um, I was si- also, my father passed away around that time too. So that was part of the, 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 the kind of like the dissonance. Yeah. No, the Lord's great, not my own might. Man can't have everything in man's sight. I know show in his tendencies. That joker just might be the end of me. You're a liar. Yeah, when I think like me, myself, and I almost sounds like yeah. a, it's it's like a, a a confessional moment, right? Yeah. There's this interesting thing about art as as an observer and and as an artist myself, as I recognize that these pieces that you create become kind of frozen moments in time, right? Mm-hmm. So where you were in 2007 is not where you are in 2017, right. but you've got this, you know, piece committed to, you know, to record, to, to vinyl, to CD, to, to right. MP3, whatever it is. And so what is it like to look back on earlier pieces and as the person you are now, or do you tend to just kind of keep moving? What's your, what's your approach? No, I, I, I recognize that it is, it's not who I am, but it's part of it. It's part of me, yeah. right? It's, it's, it's the it's the 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 catalyst to got me where I am now. Like if I didn't have this very, this high commitment of theology and and spiritual formation to Jesus in 2007, then when I came to the point where I had these these moments of doubt, when I was wrestling with what does it look like for a Christian to be to occupy marketplace spaces where they're not the majority, yeah, but they still have to live in excellence. Oh, you oh, by the way, my father passes away. I'm wrestling with the fear of death. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, I have a son who has autism. Mm-hmm. I got to wrestle with this. So those things in 2007 helped me to cope with the 2010 album, but it also expanded my understanding of suffering. It expanded my understanding of human beings and right. doubt. And then it also got me to see that this this confinement in which I exist leads me to a different space, which is 2013. Yeah. Talented tenth, yeah. What gets me to to challenge systems and structures, yeah, and and institutions that I think are blinded by their own ignorance and sin, um, which obviously leads to 2016 narrative. narrative, yeah. So it, it 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 helps. It's a trajectory. I think it's part of who I am, and part of that has to do with I think you know you you talk about the talented tenth and and the narrative being kind of these these uh, of a piece where. Um, it's reacting to what's happening in the world, not just in your own private life, right. not reacting just out of a theological framework or theological worldview, but also what's happening in the world. Mm-hmm. So what was the shift that happened for you personally in, in 2010, 2013 that brought you to that? I just, I, I would surmise it as saying that I just, 
understood that the gospel was greater than just a personal relationship with Jesus. Mm. It it is the implications of my faith impacts not only how I see Jesus or God and how God sees me, but as individuals. Mm. But it's also how I work, live, play, how I operate in systems, how I operate in structures, how those structures and systems affect people. Um, And to say that um, the gospel doesn't call us to address these things, I I think is a very um, anemic view of the the gospel. And um, not only that, identity is, is... is formed through how people understand the gospel. And I felt like there were lots of stories that were being told that left out um, how how people outside of a particular purview were shaped by the image of God. Show Baraka on AIJCast. We'll be back to more of that archived conversation in just a moment. But first, a quick word. As always, I invite you to check out the AIJCast website, AIJCast.com which is where you'll find links to our artists, including their news, information, and products. This includes Show Baraka, and we've got links there to his book and his music. By the way, a quick calendar announcement. On Sunday, August 1st, I will be co-preaching at Northwest Presbyterian Church with our friend Amina McIntyre. You can find all this information and more at our website, AIJCast.com. And now... Back to more of our 2018 conversation with Sho Baraka. We pick up that conversation talking about his album, The Narrative. So that album got me, and it, it was interesting, I began to read, and I don't necessarily recommend this for everybody, but for me, the challenge was, is I stopped reading as much theological books and literature and began to read more sociolo- sociology, mm. philosophy, um, Art, so you know, uh, I started to dive back into my, you know, the Du Bois collection I had. I started to read a lot more of Carter G. Woodson and Douglas and you know Chesterton and C.S. Lewis. Uh, <clears throat> and if they were theologians like your Niebuhrs and folks like that, it were they were people who I thought had uh, who philosophically understood how to make the gospel apply to areas of life. And so for me. Um, the the pastor authors kind of took a backseat, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. I was just reading about how what does it look like to be a healthy Christian? What does it look like to have healthy churches? What is you know, you know discipleship? And it's like, well, your your view of discipleship is just is just not it's just not sustaining the community in which I live. Yeah. Like if I just say, well, you know. The individual, and I, it's not just in any of the cities I live. It's 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 every city. It's sure. just the other cities know how to hide it better, right? They know how to hide mm. their sin better because of their economic status and wealth, mm. right? But for my neighbor who, who's you know who's struggling not only economically, socially, there's all kind of issues. Right. Just to say, well, man, just pray and know Jesus, and everything will be better, is is a little short sighted. Yeah. Now, yes. I think the goal of our instruction is to get people to know who the loving savior is. But I think leaving that individual with the oppressive natures that live amongst them is somewhat irresponsible as a Christian. Like as you address the, the, you know, the tax collectors, as you address the, the, 
the woman who's about to get stoned by the adultery by men who are adulterers right right or you you know just there are different types of ways to say you know what i care for your soul and your body as well well i mean i think it, it, there's an interesting thing that happens with like matthew 25 when mm-hmm. when jesus separate talks about the separation of the sheep and the goats and he t- talks about you know i was hungry and you fed me i was thirsty and you gave me something to drink uh, th- there's there's either a tendency to just misapply it say i was hungry and you were nice to me <laughs> I was thirsty and you patted me on the head and said, right. there, there. Or to completely take the the tangible out of it. So I was hungry and I gave you spiritual food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not bad, but right. I was physically, my stomach was growling. Absolutely. And you said, I'm going to pray for you. Yeah. And there's so many texts in there that, that just like that, that says the tangible need yeah. is necessary as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, when I think of uh, uh, folk like Karl Barth or, mm-hmm. or Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, you know, people who were living right in that that tension, particularly in Nazi Germany, right. of dealing with, you know, yeah. this faith isn't just about otherworldly. This is about the here and now. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I don't know a whole, I, I admittedly, I've been recently reading a lot about Bonhoeffer and um, his travels to Harlem. Yeah. It's something that really is just intriguing me. Yeah. And how he saw, and this to my point earlier about the identity of like how the gospel impacts identity and how he in Harlem understood the necessity of a black Jesus. Mm. And um, <clears throat> and that to me is why I kind of transformed, or not transformed, but how I kind of matured into the talented 10th. It's yeah. like, well, if all I do is quote great white theologians and philosophers and um, perpetuate the culture yeah. that is esteemed in these circles. I think I'm doing a disservice to not only the identities of these individuals, but I also feel like this, once again, is a very incomplete gospel that's communicated. Now, that doesn't mean that the gospel is only sufficient if you contextualize it to a people to a person's culture, but I do think that helps a whole Absolutely. lot. Absolutely, yeah. And, it's, and, and when we think about missions overseas, we contextualize it to to a fault <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. but it's for some reason we feel like in america that that's not quite necessary right yeah there's a there's a culture of christianity that is Absolutely. part of it I mean, and i've had this conversation on many episodes before about um you know radio stations like the fish 104.7 yeah. safe for the whole family yeah. there is a culture surrounding that that is very white mm-hmm. very upper middle class very uh suburban right um and speaks to that segment of the population Absolutely. very well and nobody else. Yeah, I mean, they they hardly ever play hip hop. They they they'll yeah. play some of my. <laughs> they I think they started playing one of my songs, but oh, it's they? like a very uh, it's like one of the safest songs on the album. <laughs> well, it's got to be safe it for has, the whole family. Yeah, show. you know what I'm saying. I, I am safe for the whole family. If you want your family to be um, rambunctious and and challenged and. <laughs> well, and if you're talking about somebody who comes in and flips over tables and who right. says, "I came not to bring well, peace, not, yeah. not peace, but a sword." Absolutely. Well, that's part of the Jesus that, you know, I think a privileged culture can teach. Yes. Right. They can teach a privilege like you. It's just the emphasis of like money management, things that help me assuage the guilt and the struggles that I wrestle with. Right. right. But when you talk about a complete gospel that talks about the poor and talks about caring for the foreigner and the, the least of these, the people's on the margin, it doesn't matter if they're Christian or not. Like yeah. that's our, con- yeah. that's the, that's the goal of our instruction. Right. But we are to especially be concerned about the household of faith. Sure. Um, and I think there's, there can be, uh, there can be a lot of tension or there can be a, a lot of, um, 
false disposition because what happens is is because we see the false narratives on the on the extreme right that you create a gospel for the extreme left and yeah like so then now the gospel is void of any true conviction Mm. and all it is is just um like promoting licentiousness it's like as long as you just you know and and i do think there's a sense where because of white evangelicalism and it being complicit in a lot of ridiculous things in this country. Um, I even find my, found myself going through it. It's like, man, what is Christianity? And do I need to just dump everything out? Like, do I need to just start all over? And sometimes that could be healthy. And sometimes that can be very dangerous. And so, um, and so that's kind of like what I went through with talent 10th. I just, I started reading different things. I was like, how can I, start studying people who uh, are different, not only just maybe even different parts of the world. Like mm-hmm. I started reading like some Tolstoy mm-hmm. um, and I think it really sh- helped shape and rebalance me. And I'm still, I'm still wrestling through some things right now um, about what it means to understand Jesus in the Christian faith outside of the context of like outside of the Western contract. Yeah. Um, but I do think there's some good things that obviously Western Christianity has produced, but I will say that um, we have to start to recognize that it has been a culture that's been created. Yeah, yeah. well, and, and I know you ran head up against that in your last album and uh, our friends over at Lifeway uh, bookstores. <laughs> yeah, I just, so I said penis on one of my on one of my songs and I guess they got complaints and they removed my, my albums from their stores. And I say this every time I do this interview. Why why my albums are in their stores anyway? I just don't understand. I was an insecure boy who just thought he was a genius, but I was pissed off. That's because I thought with my penis. It's all strategic. I'm just asking us the reason. Share my faith on the track. I'm just exercising demons. Hallelujah. Yeah, never told a lie. Uh-uh, never told a lie. Always sinners in the hands of an angry God. Or is God being judged by a sinning mob? If God ain't good, I'm a... Funny thing is, Penis is probably the... It's not even the worst thing I see. <laughs> I said much worse on that album. <laughs> so I don't know. It's just interesting. It's, um... I really didn't care. I don't I just... Someone got a hold of that... Someone at the Washington Post got a hold of the the news that they removed okay. my album. And anytime I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure anytime someone can make fun of a Southern Baptist institution, I guess they're going to do it. So they, uh, they wrote about it and it, it created this big Interesting. Uh-huh. Yep. Well, and, and I think it speaks to what you're talking about, about branching out and reading other things that there is this kind of like that Christian culture of, okay, anything that's inside this confined circle is okay. And anything that's outside of it is not okay. That's, that's yep. the kind of, and not to, you know, pile on Lifeway, but I think there is a, there is a cult of, of, of Christian bookstores and Christian uh, outlets that do that kind of thing. No, absolutely. And while it can be helpful, it also misses out on all the wisdom and the, and the gifts that are out there outside of that. I get it. I understand why they do it to your point. I understand why they create these, these parameters and these, yeah. these, um, they have this particular infrastructure to, to, to make sure that when mothers or fathers go into these bookstores and they purchase music, they want it to, to fit with, they want it to feel safe. Kind of like your, your reference to the fish. And I understand that. I get it. But I think it's, 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 that's also part of the greater problem with this, not only the Christian music market, the Christian entertainment market, but I also think just this white evangelical kind of like institution. Yeah. It's, it's that, um, 
I, I, I think there's there's so many things that we struggle with politically, mm. um, sexually, uh, racially. Mm. And when you when you say certain things are off limits or when you don't touch on certain things and we mm. don't have healthy discussions about sexuality, about race, about um, about, you know, things like that, then I feel like you're going to have a. a, a a community of people who are broken and don't know how to deal with it because the pastors are scared to touch on it. Right. They're scared to, to deal with these issues. Uh, to your point, like there are people who I think have things to say, maybe aren't the, the, the safest things to swallow, but at least it creates dialogue. I am. I, yeah. And so, yeah, it's just, it's so, it's so interesting. It's just, I just, I try not to get too caught up in those things. Cause like I said, I just, I have zero investment in, in Lifeway, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, you know, it is what it is. I, I, I recognize that they have done some good things. My brother published a book through mm. BNH, so mm. I mean, hey, they do some good things, but I also recognize that every institution has its problems, limitations, yeah, yep, and its limitations. And so, um, I think that's that's one that definitely needs to be addressed and and dealt with. Well, and it, and it strikes me. I mean, there's you know if you're reading philosophers that can broaden your worldview, right? Mm-hmm. Whether or not they would fit the label of Christian, there's value in that because Absolutely. there is, there can be wisdom outside of the church. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to add to that. Cause I just, <laughs> it was just, it's, it's so shocking to me that, that even just that word, like just go back to this idea, like that word would offend people. Yeah. And, well, if I a, had my, if I had my, my conspiracy is it wasn't necessarily that word. It was the themes of the album. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That no, really caused that. some problems. And so they were like, well, we got to remove this album. And so we'll find a reason. Show Baraka on AIJ cast from back in 2018. You can find the full episode in our archives on our website, AIJcast.com. And you can find out more about show on his website, barakaology.com. That's B-A-R-A-K-A-O-L-O-G-Y dot com. On our next episode, strategic play consultant Gary Ware. AIJCast is made possible through the support of listeners like you. We can only do this because of your support. So please do take just a moment and go to our website, AIJCast.com, and click on the link that says support. And we do love to connect with you on the social medias. We are there on many of the platform places. You can find us at AIJCast. Our theme music comes from our house band, Mard Fame. And we are engineered, mixed, and produced by the always shocking Al Mudif, who thinks that our use of humor here on AIJCast is lowbrow. I think it's just maturity. And I'm your host, Marthame Sanders, encouraging you to create some beauty of your own. And remember that the world isn't truly beautiful until it's beautiful for all. Until next time, I leave you with justice and peace. peace.